Welcome to the Maintenance Maniacs podcast, focused on all things related to equipment maintenance and building operations. Please respect all applicable legislation, company regulations, and most importantly, personal confidence level. Don't attempt something just because you heard it on a podcast. With that said, here are your hosts, Chris Wilcox and Victor Grant. Welcome to it, the Maintenance Maniacs podcast. We got episode three coming at you. Myself, Victor Grant. We got Chris Wilcox on the other end of the line. Chris, you there? Yeah, I'm here, buddy. How are you? Good. How are you tonight? I'm really good. Really good. That's good. That's good. So uh, I thought I'd kick things off here, Chris, with a comment we received after our second podcast. And I really thought it was worth mentioning to everybody who maybe doesn't have Instagram and can't see the, the post we made with the comment. So what we received was, hey, guys, great job on the podcast. Both of your Instagram content is really enjoyable. So the podcast is icing on the cake. I'm a seven-year custodian, and as far as I know, I'm only two months away from taking over for the maintenance mechanic at the school I work at. Listening to you guys is definitely helpful for me, preparing to take over that role. Keep up the good work. So there it is. Yeah, like, that's awesome, right? Like, that's the kind of feedback that, that definitely motivates Chris and I. I think transitioning from topic to topic to topic we're going to try and keep building you know we're getting a foundation going right now and we're going to try to keep building on that absolutely so what what chris and i had discussed for moving forward here is is we talked last episode about getting your first job as a maintenance technician or an experienced technician moving to a new company things like that So what we wanted to do was Chris and I are both a little bit of a tool nut, if you can uh, believe that. If you've seen our Instagram (laughs) content, yeah, you're probably laughing like Chris is right now. So we're a little bit of a tool nut, but I have also had conversations with newer uh, employees or new people into the maintenance trade asking, you know, the company provides the power tools, they provide the electrical meters they provide uh, some of the larger big ticket items you know whether that's a chop saw or or something like that but i want to have my own set of basic hand tools that i carry in a little pouch with me around when i go to start troubleshooting calls or just do little repairs here and there and so you might hear the phrase edc or everyday carry so we're going to go through some of those items that we consider essentials for everyday carry items. So for me, my everyday carry is what I carry on my belt and in my pockets at all times. They go everywhere with me. And then we're going to kind of expand on that a little bit and just add a few items that could be in a hip pouch or maybe a a smaller type of tool bag that, you know, a little shoulder bag or just a handbag or something like that, uh, that we think, you know, if, if you're starting out, and you've rocked your interview and you're coming in with the attitude that, you know, I'm going to learn as much as I can and I'm going to kick ass and you guys are going to want to promote me as soon as you can, because this is what I'm bringing to the table. If you have this little tool pouch in your hand coming with that attitude, you know, sky's the limit. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. So the first thing I'm going to state is a high quality flashlight. Definitely. Definitely. And this one for me is something you want to have on your person at all times whether you're looking in a ceiling space you're looking under a sink 
you just need some more light while you're looking at an issue that you're troubleshooting. It's, it's, it's incomprehensible how many times a day you'll use a flashlight until you get into this trade. You know, like a lot of other trades, they'll be like, yeah, you know, I have a light on my bag and I use it a lot. And it's like, yeah, but until you know how much a maintenance person uses a flashlight, it just blows you away, right? Yeah, so, I mean, even, even, the, even the simple things like um, got to get some part numbers, uh, got to see, hey, I think I see something leaking or I hear, you know, I hear something. And, you know, it, it just, it, it's something that always comes out of my pocket. And then the random things, you're, you're, you're in an area where all of a sudden power goes out. I mean, how bad would that be if the power went out, you're relying on the lights and you're behind a pump or, or whatever else? It's just a good idea to have a light source of some kind always on. That's a very, very good point, Chris, about the power outage. So something I'll add to that is if you're troubleshooting an issue and it, like say you lost a phase or something in a premise, and only partial partial areas of the premise are affected. So you could walk into the front of it, front of the building, front of the area, whatever, and it's it's illuminated. And then as you get towards the back, now you're in pitch black. Right. So yeah, that's a very good point. So for a flashlight recommendation, because I think we should do this kind of recommending, we'll we'll caveat this with Chris and I aren't sponsored by any tool brands. Um, you know, we, we have kind of some ambassador relationships with different tool brands, but most of what we're going to say here, they don't pay us. We just like quality tools and opting for the premium brand over the budget brand saves you more money, hassle and uh, frustration in the long term. So uh, my my flashlight recommendation, and I think Chris would probably agree with this, but he might have another option as well is the uh, observer tools fl 1000 could not agree more okay that's that's the one yeah so this one came out i don't know i think it was last year yeah last year so it's a rechargeable flashlight so first of all uh you're not buying you know cr2 batteries or expensive type of batteries for a high lumen output so it's rechargeable with a micro usb to usb it's got a magnet on the back end of it and if you've watched anything on my Instagram page, my personal page, you'll know that I stick that thing everywhere because it's just, it's great to have that magnet on the back end of it. It has a focus on it. So it focuses from a wide angle to an acute angle and the acute angle really helps if you're looking like up into ceiling spaces from ground level. If you're trying to find like a roof leak or uh, you're tracing, you know, say thermostat wire or conduit or something like that. It, it's just great help for that. Uh, it also has three different output modes. So you have your high, medium and low and your high being a thousand lumens. Like it's just, it's awesome. So that's my recommendation on a flashlight. And as Chris agreed with me, like the, the observer tools knocked it out of the park with this one. Oh yeah. It's my, it's my favorite flashlight by far. Okay, Chris, what do, you, what do you got on your list? I'm going to go back to when I had just started because uh, my feelings and my way of keeping my tools is much different now because I have a very broad range of skills and tasks that I'm responsible for. So to take it back, you need, you need some kind of a um, stout tool pouch bag 
Um, I don't recommend one of those duffel style bags that doesn't have individual pockets because what you will find is you will continually be taking everything out to try to find the one thing you need. There, but there's there's quite a few good uh, bag manufacturers out there that aren't overly expensive that give you individual pockets to keep your your tools in. And the reason I even talk about that is because you kind of got to have that to put your kit in. Um, you want this kit to be something you can grab and go. Um, I've seen where people have like a um, a locker when they first start a new job and throughout the time they're there. And for some reason, they like to keep the stuff in the locker. And what I see them do is go back and forth, get out on the job and, oh, no, I need this screwdriver. And now you run back. Um, I need my tape measure. You run back. Um, we want to be agile and mobile. Uh, we do a lot of jobs. Uh, some of them have to be done quickly. And you don't want to be having that running back and forth. But, yeah, I mean, I think for me, the first thing I would do is square away a tool bag. And then we'll start filling it up. Okay. So let's let's expand on that tool bag reference. So if someone was going to be getting either a sort of tool bag pouch that they could wear on their belt or as a small handbag option, what would you recommend? So um, this is one of those cases of, you know, maybe higher end, but uh, anything from Vito ProPack, as far as I'm concerned, you can't really go wrong with. Um, I've got, oh, I don't know, six different bags of theirs on my van um, for many different reasons. Um, but they, and unfortunately, I don't have my catalog in front of me, and I'm terrible with part numbers at times or model numbers. But uh, they have a couple of um, little smaller hand-style bags that are are pretty handy for you know, especially starting out for having, you know, a small kit to begin with, because obviously over time, as your skills increase, you're going to build a larger kit. Like break it out into trade specific. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Um, but I know that there's a, um, and I, I don't know if Menards is going to sell it. Well, in my area, there's a, a hardware store called Menards, but there's a brand out there called Tough Built uh, that has various different smaller bags. They even have a, um, a clip system where you leave the clip on your belt. You can disconnect the pouches from your belt and leave the clip on your belt and just grab a different pouch. Definitely economical. I have a few of those bags. I don't, I don't use them that often, but they've had them long enough to put some hours on them and they're, they're well built and definitely within reach of almost anybody's budget. So that's funny because the tough built was the brand I was going to bring to the table to this discussion. Oh, no way. <laughs> because I thought you were going to go veto as, as, as the top. And, and you know what? Anybody you talk to, they're going to go with the vetoes. Like I've only been using vetoes for the last maybe two years. I, the first one I got, I bought secondhand. Uh, the second one I bought brand new. And the third one I bought uh, was also secondhand. And the quality of those bags is just crazy. Like it is, it's leaps and bounds above anybody else. And I don't care what anyone says. Like, that's my opinion, but like right. that they're leaps and bounds above everybody else that tough built line. So they're available um, at princess auto for sure in Canada. Okay. Uh, some other vendors I'm sure have them, but that was going to be my backup. Cause I've seen some other operators with the smaller tough built stuff and, it seems like it's a pretty good product for sure. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, the veto thing is, um, you know, it, it kind of speaks to uh, the investment 
of buying certain things at a certain cost. So as an example of that, my very first Vito bag was purchased in roughly 1998. It was an LC. I used the heck out of it and then started getting different bags. And I ended up passing that over or handing it over to my father-in-law who still uses it to this day. Right. So it, the, the quality speaks for itself, right? Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's a good one. So, uh, we got the tool bag to put all your kit into. So that's a very key point. The one thing that I will say from personal experience is if you buy a small tool bag, smaller size, it will fill up fast and you'll get to the point where A, it's it's overstuffed or B, you have to pull out five things to get to one thing. Yep. So just, just think about that. You know, you're just starting out. This is the mindset we're saying. You're just starting out. If you want to go for a little shoulder bag, that's just a little larger than a hip pouch or something like that. And maybe it's not as full at the start of your career. That's okay too, because then you can keep building into it. Right. Absolutely. It's kind of like a little kid with hockey skates. You know, you buy the, the skate that fits at the beginning of the season and it doesn't fit at the end of the season. So you always went like a thumb or two over so that your skates lasted the whole year. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know? Exactly. And that, and that actually matches what you were saying earlier about as you grow, you get, you know, like you get more specialized bags. So just because you outgrew the bag you bought at first, it doesn't mean that it goes in the trash or, you know, I would hope that it's still around and you could give it away to somebody to help them out. But nonetheless, that could be reutilized as a different kind of bag for you. Yeah, different use, for yeah. sure. Yeah, definitely agree with that. Okay, I'm going to go on to my second item, and this is also an EDC item. So I don't really care what brand somebody uses as far as uh, quality of it. It's this, this tool here, it's all about how it feels in your hand. Whether you're going with a Weeha, a Vera, a Klein, uh, Mastercraft, Mastercraft Maximum, um, whatever other brand you can think of. It's an 11-in-1 nut driver screwdriver. Absolutely agree. Absolutely okay. agree. So so for this, why why do I say the 11-in-1 over like a 6-in-1 or a 4-in-1? Okay, so the nut driver is usually the 3 8 5 16 and a quarter. And if you're working on HVAC equipment, rooftop units, things like that, you're going to run into those nuts all the time. The screwdrivers that come in them, this might vary by brand or by model within the brand. I'm not going to go through all the models that they have, but you're getting your Phillips 1, Phillips 2, uh, slotted 1, slotted 2, or like the measurements. They might give you the, the actual uh, length of the slotted screwdriver. Uh, Robertson 1 and 2, uh, you, like the most common things that you're going to encounter. And I would, I would love to get a percentage of this and keep track of it, but it, it'd be very difficult for me. But if you took all of the tenant requests or work orders that I'm issued and how many are solved with just what I'm carrying on my person, I'm going to say it's in the high 60s to 70s. I would agree with that. The 11 in one, you know, get something that you can have in your pocket, uh, nut driver and screwdriver combination. 
a little bit more on the screwdriver thing. So it, it, it does another thing, though, having the 14 in one or which however many in one. So when you're starting off, you're trying to maximize your spend. You might not be able, be able to at that time buy all kinds of different things. Um, so that takes care of that. But it also, if you're starting off with a small tool set, small tool bag, now you've got all those things in one unit. And it's not taking up you know, space. You're not having to buy a bigger tool bag to, to store all that stuff, not after carrying the weight. Me personally, at the position I'm in now, I carry multi-bit screwdrivers, but then I also have to have high voltage screwdrivers. I have to have cabinet tip screwdrivers uh, for some control work, small screwdrivers, you know, precision screwdrivers. It kind of gets crazy later on. I think one of the next things that I think is pretty important and comes out of my pocket or my tool bag, because I have them in both, a good folding razor knife. Well, you know, I'll take that back. It doesn't have to be a folding one. I prefer the folding style, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't have to be. A pocket knife of some kind. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I can definitely agree with that. The one thing I will say is, uh, because some people who will look on my, my EDC posts will be like, wait a minute. You, you, Victor, you just said an 11 and one, but you don't carry one, <laughs> which is true. And here's what I carry. So I have a Klein 11 and one that I have the screwdriver bits removed, except for the special bits. And then I keep that in my right leg pocket and I use it mainly for nut driving only. So I use it for my three eights and my five sixteenths mainly when I'm doing uh, rooftop stuff with HVAC sure. units. But in my left leg pocket, I carry the Husky Retractabit. Oh, yeah, yeah. Six, six blade uh, screwdriver uh, that works off like a switch, switch, uh, what do you call them? Switchblade mechanism. Yep. And the reason I like that screwdriver the best is it's A, the fastest at changing bits because you're just sliding your thumb up and down. And B, when you are carrying it, you slide all the bits into the housing so it never pokes through your pants. Yeah, that's a good point. And I've had a lot of operators that I've worked with really like that model because they would carry an 11-in-1 or a multi-bit screwdriver, but it didn't have the option to not carry one bit at least inside the driving stem. And then after moving around for so many days, it would basically poke holes in your pants. So, so that's, that's what I carry and that's what I use. And I, I, I highly recommend that Husky retractor bit. It is a wicked screwdriver. Yeah, that's, I, I, I could, I could see that being Andy. For me, I, 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 the same thing. So I don't, I have a troubleshooting bag, but you know, I carry other things on me to get me past not having that troubleshooting bag with me all the time. Uh, screwdriver wise, I have a multi-tool that I always have on my hip. Mm-hmm. I have, uh, I have Milwaukee's new, uh, uh, folding, uh, razor knife. That's got a screwdriver essentially on the back end of it. I have seen those. Yeah. I thought it was going to be gimmicky and it's not, I've used it a ton of times and it works well. So, so that one actually came in the latest tool crate. Okay. Uh, for those who aren't aware of what tool crate is, look it up. Uh, Toolcrate.co, I think, is the website. Um, or you can find them on Instagram or Facebook or whatever. But yeah, they had included that. I think it's called the Milwaukee Fastback. And, yeah, I think uh, that is what it's called. Yeah, and it has a little two-ended 
screwdriver bit built into the knife adds the versatility of that pocket knife for sure but that's a very 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 good item to have yes yes definitely but moving on an operator needs to have some sort of a tool and there's multiple ways you can go but some sort of a tool that's going to pinch turn grab and i'm speaking speaking to pliers you need Mm -hmm. something um you know in the beginning you might be able to get away with just one or two as skill sets develop and stuff like that there's no way you'll be able to get away with just one or two but but to start off you know maybe a nice set of pump pliers mm-hmm. i use my leatherman a lot i mean there's definitely limitations because you can't do anything close to anything electrical or you know mm-hmm. anything like that uh you know in the beginning you're probably not going to be doing that anyway uh more senior staff is probably going to be doing stuff like that but yeah you need some sort of you know, I, I don't I don't intend to you need to get this or you need to get that. But I, I would just recommend some sort of plier device. Yeah, like I, w- I had actually on my list here is multi tool and pliers. Yeah, there you go. And I have them separated. So I carry a multi tool. It's a snap on multi tool and it has the the combination like needle nose linesman type end to it. Yes. Yes. And yes. then also has. Like you, your little pocket knife in it, a little saw, um, a little screwdriver, flat slotted tip or whatever. But one thing that's really helpful in that multi-tool is a dual sided file. Oh yeah. Yeah. And the file, um, you know, some people would think like, well, that's a file meant for like your fingers or something just because of the size of it. But I actually use it quite a bit when I am encountering uh, like flashing details that have maybe turned up or there's a sharp edge on them or something, you know, if they're damaged or whatever. Or uh, if you're working on some type of equipment and basically you just you need a quick just little notch or something and you need to file it in there or. Uh, somebody nicked a flange when it was coming out and the, the little holes just got a little nick into it or something and you just need to get that out quick. Uh, so I find that the multi-tool is is a very good tool to have and also have a dedicated set of, of like like you called them, pump pliers. Yep. Um, so what I carry on my hip uh, as an EDC would be the Knipex... 125 size of cobras and i've used them so much in the last six months it's crazy and i and why i've used them a lot in the summertime over the winter time uh if you can believe this was putting garden hoses together oh yeah i could see that yeah it was so putting garden hoses onto hose bibs or or joining different lengths and things like that for either uh watering new sod or uh watering planters or running them to pressure washers, or running it onto a roof to do coil cleaning jobs for multiple rooftop units at a time. Uh, having that little set of pliers has just been a lifesaver. And I would like to make a comment about the pliers. Is It's more related to what I said about the 11-in-1, is if you can get a feel, like touch them yourself, see what works for you and there's a little story i wanted to say about this so i use uh the Kinepex cobras so much and i've only had them for the past couple years but 
Uh, I like them way better than previous like channel lock type pliers or tongue groove or, or of different brands, you know, craftsmen, whoever. I actually bought a pair of their alligator pliers, which mm-hmm. have a different mechanism for sizing. Yep. And I bought those alligators to keep at my uh, RV camper. And I bought them solely based on price because the alligators were about $25 cheaper than the Cobras. And I said, you know, well, I'm not going to be using it that much. It's kind of like a backup set of pliers at my camper to help me with that, you know, minor plumbing repair or whatever I'm doing out there. And I ended up changing a waterless P-trap on a sink. And it got to the point where I'm like, I'm glad I bought these alligator pliers because I'm never going to buy another set in my life. That's so funny because I, I, I did a similar thing. I'm huge, huge into Knipex. I, I just, I guess I'm too used to the, um, to the pump pliers and the way those mechanisms work that I, I, I do not, I, I don't like using them. They're, they're, they're in the shop, in the junk drawer. Not to say, not to say that they're junk, but it's just mm-hmm. for me. For me, it's just not what I want. It's just, it's just like you're talking about. You know, you have to feel stuff for yourself because I, if I would have felt those before I bought them, I would not have bought them. Right, and and that's the thing is like you got to find what works for you. Like there's some people that are channel lock brand all day long, any day of the week for the rest of their life, and it works for them because the the feels good. They know how to operate it quick, and that's great. Um, you know, for me, it just. I, I don't use a lot of those tongue groove types unless they're really large. Like I have a few sets that are probably 24 inches in length or something like that. Right. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so back to the, the topic at hand, I know we kind of, this is going to happen. If you're listening <laughs> yeah, to this, definitely. we're going to go on to like a little tool abstract thing here. It's going to happen. So I'm yeah. not going to apologize for it. Nope. But... Just hold on to your hat, grab the popcorn. And enjoy <laughs> exactly. <it. laughs> Yeah, so I have the multi-tool on my list as an EDC, and I have a little pair of, uh, like, water pump or pump pliers or tongue groove pliers, whatever you want to call them. Uh, I think those are kind of a necessity. If I was recommending a size to somebody to get as part of a new first tool bag, I would say something like a 10-inch size would be your maximum versatility. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so something like that. Do you have another one on your list there, Chris? Yeah, actually, a tape measure. That's a good one. Yes, sir. So a tape measure is imperative. You know, you're often going to have to uh, get measurements for ordering something, get measurements for something. You have to go in a different area to fabricate, um, measurements for level plumb. Uh, You could be setting a... uh, uh, a belt or something and need to uh, measure distance between the pulleys. You know, I mean, any one of a million things. And the last thing you want to do is be searching for a tape measure should be on you. So what do I recommend size wise? Cause everybody knows there's tons of different sizes of tape measure. So we're talking about something you're going to have on you every day. So I would stay away from like your 30 footers, your 25 footers. Um, I tend to carry a 16 footer uh i kind of like that size for most things i'm doing and 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 honestly at times i have to go back to my van and and if i'm gonna be doing something larger uh large steel large wood whatever then yeah i'm gonna have to swap out to a 25 or a 30 but that 16 most times is plenty to keep me going with what i'm doing on a daily basis 
Definitely. So I I have one of those uh, holstery uh, tape measure holders that I wear. Yeah, those those things are the best. And and 16 foot is the one that is right on my tool bench at the van, right by the um, back area side door. So I know that if I, if I'm going to be going and I need to bring my tape measure, I just grab it out of there and clip it on. But here's one I, I'm going to, I'm going to say that I bet Chris has not thought of this and I haven't prepared this ahead of time. So this is going to be a natural reaction. Uh Have you ever heard of a sewing tape measure? A sewing tape measure. Okay. So what it is. Here's a funny story before you say that though. Okay. Back in the day, I used to work on sewing machines, so this is kind of blowing my mind right now. Okay, so sometimes they're called a ribbon tape measure. Ooh, that sounds more familiar. Okay, so what they are is essentially like a a three-foot or almost a meter in length, and they have metric on one side and imperial on the other side, and you can fold them or roll them into like a pocket size. So I would fold them back and forth, back and forth, accordion style into about a a two and a half inch fold and what i used it for was mainly determining pipe sizes and what i mean by that is if i was like way up and i'm reaching and i can't tell what the pipe is because it's insulated i can wrap the sewing tape measure around the insulation and using a little bit of math come to an approximate diameter and then i would like obviously be like okay well the pipe's not 2.875 inches it's it's going to be a three or it's going to be a two and a half or something like that right right Um, but but that's what i used it for and then also uh if somebody would ask me you know there's a window crack how long is the crack or uh, there's damage you know the wall is shifted because a car struck the building well how much is it shifted I could pull out my ribbon tape measure and just kind of stretch it out and be like, oh, it shifted, you know, five and a half inches or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's funny. I have one of those. I just okay. Ne- I just never knew what it was called. <laughs> <laughs> I've got that exact thing. There we go. So it's it's not something that I would stress everybody to get, but it's something that I found one day and I was like, you know what? I could I could have a use for that. So Well, and that's a good point you just brought up, to be honest. So building operators is a broad term. So you'll have to figure out in some cases, what exactly are you maintaining at the place that you've agreed to work? Mm -hmm. So, you know, you may need different tools. There may not be, maybe it's not a part of your particular crew's normal duties to mess with pipe of any sort. So, you know, there's some things that people have to think about on their own, you know, what, what am I doing and what do I need to do that task? Uh, so you might start off simple and then grow into quickly having to grab some, some tools that you weren't aware you were going to need. Um, yep. But like, like for us, we deal with pipe. We deal with pipe quite often. So having a flexible tape measure of some sort to measure the OD of, of pipe is pretty helpful. But for others, it may not be. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Okay, uh, do you got one on your list? A good tick tester. Okay. A non, non-contact voltage tester. Yeah. Um, that, uh, that can help immensely. Uh, it can get you started in the right direction of a repair safely. Um, me personally, 
and I know not everybody does this. I start off every day with taking one of my meters, verifying 120 volts in an outlet, and then putting my tick tester on there, my non-contact voltage meter. The reason I do that is because I don't want to wholeheartedly trust anything. I want to do some sort of a verification every day uh, to at least back up that the start of that day, it was working fine. Um, Using a meter, using a non-contact voltage meter is never, never something that uh, uh, you should necessarily fully trust. I mean, you know, it's, it's a, it's a good indication of the condition of whatever you're working on, uh, whether it's a helpful guide. Exactly. I just don't, I, I get, I get nervous about, people wholeheartedly using that as a troubleshooting tool. I'll give an example. Um, I've had the opportunity to train lots of guys and this is a slow process. Uh, Cut them loose with a, with a tick tester and explain how things work and watch them do things for quite a while before I allow them to do it by themselves. But a common thing I would always get back was, Hey, it shows, it shows it's beeping. How come the light's not working? And I could almost guarantee every time, well, so did you put your real meter on there? Well, no. And I said, well, I doubt you have a full circuit. I bet you're missing the neutral. Mm -hmm. Sure enough, that's what it was. Mm -hmm. So you're thinking you have power going to whatever it is, and you don't, which is why I'm saying you can't fully, that's not your end-all, be-all. But it's a good start. That's a very uh, good item. And it's funny you mentioned that when I first got into this industry, uh, the first operations supervisor I worked for, he said, do you have a tick tester? And I was like, no, I don't know what you mean by that. Flat out, like I just didn't know. And he said, oh, it's a non-contact voltage tester and you need to get one of those. And I was like, okay. So when I went to the store to get one, a lot of the times you'll see these comboed with an outlet tester. Yeah. And I think that even a basic combination uh, non-contact voltage tester and an outlet tester in, I'm going to speak from what I do is in commercial building operations, you use those two quite a bit. Um, It could be something as simple as this outlet is linked to a GFCI outlet that's over, you know, three, four meters away. And the tenant doesn't know that. So then they go, hey, uh, this outlet doesn't work anymore. You got to come here. You turn, you plug your outlet tester in it. None of the lights illuminate. You, you take a little tour. You look at the reset and test button. You reset the GFCI. You look over and now you got two good lights on your outlet tester. Absolutely. So, so yeah, that's, that's something that I would, uh, I would definitely agree with uh, that Chris brought up here is the tick tester. And then I would just do the additional, you know, if if a tick tester costs you 25 bucks and a combination costs you 30, go to the combination. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, my personal preference on this uh, is an eight inch adjustable wrench. Uh, we're on the same page, buddy. Cause that was my next thing. <laughs> okay. So I, I carry the eight inch. This is the everyday carry in my pocket at all times size with a rubber handle uh, just in case I have to coax something with a little tap and I have the rubber handle so it doesn't mar the surface. Speaking about a pouch or small tool bag, uh, maybe upsize it to a 10 or 12 inch. And if you're 
like Chris and I, and you want to delve into the pliers wrench realm, there's different brands that make pliers wrenches like Kinepex and Lennox and some other brands. Uh, Irwin, I think, has some as well, too. Uh, you could also get that, but if you're going to get one or the other, I would say probably favoring the adjustable wrench as a starting point. There's a little bit of a learning curve with the pliers wrench. It's a little, it's a little different. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're definitely more expensive than the Crescent wrench. Yes. Uh, me personally, uh, I go the other way. So I carry a Knipex plier wrench the six inch it's a, it's a, it's the smallest one they make like the but 150 I, yeah yeah and that's in my pocket every day comes in super handy personally i like it better than the crescent wrench i just i've been using those for a long time and i i, I, I like the feel of them and it's funny because in my previous career which we we talked about a bit in the the first episode it was like you always had a 10 inch crescent wrench on you at all times and I got so used to carrying that for so many years that when I transitioned into this career, I was like, I can't not have a Crescent wrench on me. Yeah, yeah right. But, but a 10 inch was just kind of a little bit too big. But yeah, I, I, that's just the old school me, maybe. But I, I, the eight inch is what I carry. And then I have accessible uh, seven inch, 10 inch, and 12 inch pliers wrenches which I mainly use for uh, plumbing issues uh, like, you know, uh, flushometers or something, uh, taking the chrome nuts apart or anything in the fixture right, realm right? Right. or uh, ch- working on sinks and faucets, things like that. If, if here's the hypothetical, you've got the budget and you're going to get some adjustable wrenches and pliers wrenches, I would say probably the 180 size of a Kinepex or it's like a seven inch would be a good start. And then also having, you know, a, a three pack of eight, 10, 12 adjustable wrenches or something in your tool bag uh, is going to get you a long ways. Well, and it's interesting too, because as you grow adjustable wrenches, periods, straightforward standard adjustable wrenches, there's all kinds of different styles depending on what you're doing. I've got some thin adjustable wrenches for working on plumbing. I've also got some um, wide jaw. Mm-hmm. Uh, the opening is is huge based upon the uh, handle link, you know, it's got a shorter handle, but the jaws open real wide. Those help you with a lot of plumbing tasks. And as you get into more of that, you'll, you'll actually need some of that. Yeah. The, I believe channel lock has a, they call them the wide as a Z Z job. Yep. That's and one. yeah. And uh, it's an eight inch, uh, an adjustable wrench, but it's the, the, the jaw goes to like two and a half or something. Right. Yeah, I'm just spouting numbers off the top of my head. It could be yeah, better, no, the exact sizing, but it, it was one that I found was great for uh, air bleeds on boiler lines. Absolutely. Um, because the air bleeds were a little bit wider than what my traditional 8-inch adjustable would uh, be able to accommodate. But where these air bleeds are located, you sometimes you can't fit like a 10-inch wrench like, you know, the wall's too close or something like that, or there's other uh, sprinkler lines or something like that, like uh, in the same area. So um, that's, a, that's a really good point. I like that. The, uh, the adjustable wrench with the specialty purpose in mind. Okay, what else you got on your list? Uh, let's see. What else do I got on my list? 
it would probably be a good idea to have some sort of a smaller precision screwdriver. So it's the same argument, right? Do you get like a bunch of individual ones or do you get a multi? My recommendation would be a multi. Um, same reasons. Uh, a bigger punch in a smaller package. Uh, but there's times where you're going to run into the need for a, uh, or you're going to have a job that requires a precision screwdriver. These are your smaller um, screws, thermostats, uh, simply changing batteries on something sometimes. You know, all of that stuff, your original purchase of a full-size multi-bit screwdriver, there's not going to normally be a small enough bit on there for you to do that task unless you have a precision screwdriver. So that's right, Chris. That's why you're saying like the most punch in your pack, right? Having that multi-bit option for the precision screwdrivers instead of a whole set. Yes, definitely. Definitely. Okay. One I would like to kind of piggyback on that. Now, this one I haven't, well, no, I can't say I haven't seen it in a a multi-bit type set, but I have. So it's it's a hex key set. And some of them are the folding hex key sets and they're both imperial and metric so they're like you know they fit in the the palm of your hand and they have an assortment of sizes that kind of flip out now the only thing that i don't like about those folding sets is that you're limited on how many sizes you can fit in that folding set yeah you're right you're absolutely right so for me personally and and if you deal with pneumatic thermostats at all you're going to find that some of the securement screws are a one sixteenth inch uh, hex key or Allen key, I guess is another common term. Yes. Most of the, you know, all in one fold out sets don't go down that low. They stop at a five sixty fourths. So none of them work for me. So I had to go with the Allen set that was a bunch of individual Allen keys put together or hex keys put together into a, a holder, basically like a, a rubber sleeve or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Yeah. I've got those. Yeah. So, so the ones I, um, I, I really like as uh, the, the Weehaw colored ones. Yep. Um, and I like those a, because you learn the colors to sizes and it's really easy to pick them out as you're working and uh, B just the quality has been great. Uh, so far since I've been using them for a couple of years now too. And, and they're just awesome. And uh, what I would say is definitely get the metric and the Imperial. Some products, they, they do the metric hex nuts on purpose. And I don't know why, uh, but you're going to use them for door closers. You're going to use them for pneumatic thermostats. You're going to use them for uh, adjusting some control stuff. Uh, what other uses have you found, Chris? So sometimes access plates, uh, access you'll, have, plates yeah. you'll have like a counter, countersunk uh, Allen bolt in there. We have these rollers throughout one of the plants I work in, and uh, all the legs, the adjustments on the legs and stuff are all all Allen uh, nuts and bolts. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you, you end up needing that quite often. And uh, if you get any IKEA furniture, then you have like a way better – Oh my goodness! <laughs> so <laughs> so not to not to break away from, but like like we bought my wife and I bought a bunch of that IKEA stuff, and it's not bad stuff. 
The problem is, as many years as, I, as I've been wrenching on stuff, I open the stuff up and I take the little cheap Allen key they give me and I try to use it. Yeah. So what happens? I end up stripping a couple bolts. Now, I've got lots of extra bolts. That wasn't the problem. The problem was is that I actually did that. I've got a van and a garage full of tools. What was I thinking? The metallurgy of that Allen key compared to something like a Ware or a Weha or other brands, whatever, is, is non-comparable. So Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm going to move on with a couple. These these are three quick items, okay? okay. So I can spend too much time on these items, but a permanent marker. That's actually huge. Yeah. I wasn't even thinking that, but that's actually huge. That's it's part, huge. That's part of my everyday carry for sure. Exactly. Uh, a carpenter's pencil. Yep, same. So when people ask me, like, well, why do you need both? Okay, so the permanent marker is for when I write something and I don't want it to disappear. And a pencil is for when I need to mark something and I do want it to disappear. Yep, very good point. And then also what you can use with the carpenter's pencil is the width on the flat edge is a half inch and the width on the um, small edge is a quarter inch. Yep. So you can use that if you're, you know trying to type an email to somebody or they say, you know, well, how big is the gap? You know, like if you don't have your uh, ribbon tape measure out already, you can grab your carpenter's pencil and be like, well, I can't get a, a quarter inch through. So it's less than that. You know, something if it's a, a gap in the stone or a flashing or stucco to a column, whatever it is. Right. Uh, it can definitely help you there. And then, this one that I've been carrying for the last couple of years, and it kind of came into effect because of the COVID-19 pandemic, was a rubber gloves holder that sits on my belt. And I've seen those. Yeah, it, you'll find them mainly used by uh, EMTs or EMRs, EMS, basically paramedics. And they hold like two or three pairs of rubber gloves, and then there's a little slit in the front of the pouch and you can just grab them quick. And I find that they're really good, not necessarily in a medical capacity, but for if I'm going to be touching something in an office space, that's clean and my hands maybe are not so clean. I can put those rubber gloves on quick. Or if I'm troubleshooting a plumbing issue, uh, I can pull those gloves out right away. Ceiling tiles is a big one. If you don't want to get all your black fingerprints on the ceiling tiles, you can pull out those rubber gloves quick and, and alleviate the stress of having to try and clean those or, you know, get the, the fingerprints off them later. So the gloves holder, the pencil, and the marker, EDC items, I would recommend definitely getting those. Yeah, and I'll be honest with you. So the first thing I'm doing tomorrow when I get to work is I'm going to get on the computer and I'm going to find one of those glove holders. Um, I carry gloves in my different bags, but it's not available to me as part of my EDC. So Without those or without that holder, that means I have to walk back to wherever I parked my van to retrieve some gloves. I, I actually love that idea. That's a great idea. And the best thing about it and, you know, your EDC setup or your first tool bag setup is you want to think about weight as well. You don't even notice these glove holders are on your person at all. Like the weight is irrelevant and you know if you're sitting in your van or your truck it just compresses against the seat uh, you, you you don't know it's there until you need it basically is what i'm trying to say yeah and that's the best that's the best way to carry something if it doesn't impact you and then it's always there when you need it that, that's a win yeah 
Another item I have on my list is a claw hammer. Completely so, agree. Yeah, so this would be like something similar to a carpenter's hammer or something like that. Now, I'm not talking like the big framing hammers that are, you know, 18 inches long, 22 ounce, 24 ounce or something like that. I'm talking more of like a 16 ounce type claw hammer that can be just used for general use or if you need to bump something or put a, a flat screwdriver on and give it a tap or something like that. More limited capacity for as far as applications you can use it but it's one thing that as far as i'm concerned if you're putting together your first tool bag you should have that available yeah definitely i mean yeah it's a it's a common it's a common tool that's that's going to be needed many times for many different things i mean i've had the lift i've had the lift equipment and uh the claw hammer you know i'm not talking super heavy equipment but just you know little things and you can get that claw hammer the claw underneath and you know you got a lever there and you can pull on it and get your height and do what you got to do and it's it's just a very useful thing 100 percent, 100 percent. so so this was kind of things that i've had on my list is there anything else on your list that we didn't cover chris so i think the hardest thing for us is going to be to limit this to a basic yes rundown so in an in an effort to stay at that level i think we're good because i keep i keep finding myself being tempted to kind of jump the hurdle and move on to the next area no and it's true and it's it's something that for people like chris and i it's very difficult for us to say you know you need these 10 things like if you ask me to do a top 10 these things it's so difficult so difficult for us to do because with the experience comes like well i have like an electrical bag and an hvac bag and a plumbing bag and a general bag and those four bags are purpose designed bags like you were saying about the screwdrivers right like i have insulated screwdrivers in my electrical bag i have insulated precision screwdrivers in my hvac bag i don't have insulated screwdrivers in my plumbing bag and I right. do have a set in my general bag. So, so right there. So we got three bag or four bags and three of them have insulated screwdrivers in them for certain things that I do related to that bag that I've associated it with. So it, it is very hard for us to, to talk about just nailing down like a basic, but I think, I think we did cover it very well. Chris, this has been fun. It has. I have, uh, I have one thing I'd like to say. If Go ahead possible so i'm gonna have to give my buddy brent a shout out uh he has been a huge supporter in what we're trying to do and and tells me all the time how he enjoys what we're doing um so i just wanted to say thanks to brent for the continued support thanks to brent and thanks for all the other listeners you know if if we don't get the feedback like i started this episode off of you know maybe the motivation might have slipped a little bit but it we, uh, we, we definitely made the commitment to be doing this once a month. Uh, there's other messages that I have that I haven't read on, uh, on the podcast here. You know, maybe I'll kind of space them out and bring them, bring them to light here later in later episodes. But uh, thank you to everybody who's given us the feedback so far. Uh, it's been great. And it's definitely uh, motivating Chris and myself to continue with this. Uh, like we said in the first episode, this isn't some kind of vanity project for us. So. It's, we're here to try and just 
help others who might need it and, and spread some of that knowledge around. So absolutely. I want to say that if anyone has any questions about some of the brands or some of the tools that we've mentioned and you want some further information or, or maybe, you know, you, Hey, Chris or Victor, can you just send me a picture of what you have for that kind of a tool? We're more than happy to provide that information. You can find us at Maintenance Maniacs Podcast on Instagram. The handle is Maintenance Maniacs Podcast. Uh, you can email us, Maintenance Maniacs Podcast at gmail.com. Absolutely. And, and, and kind of, you already touched on it a little bit, but if, you, if there's more questions wrapped around, what the future looks like as you grow. I mean, we're going to definitely talk about that. But uh, if you'd like, if you jumped over to either one of our individual Instagram pages, most of our stuff is on there. I mean, Victor's been through my stuff. I've definitely been through Victor's stuff. But you'll see what we're talking about, multiple tool bags, the kinds of tools we use on a daily basis. Uh, uh, if, if for nothing else but to help people, we both post pretty con- consistently the things we're using and why we're using them. Um, like he had said in the beginning, we're not sponsored by anybody. It's not even something we're thinking about right now. So when we speak about tools and products, it's, it's, it's going to be something that we feel strongly about because it's working for us. Different things may not work for different people, but it's a perspective of we're happy with the purchase we made. Exactly. And I, I would relate that to if, if I know how to troubleshoot a piece of equipment, I'm going to share that knowledge from previous experiences. And if I've used a certain tool multiple times and I'm impressed with it, then why wouldn't I share that? Exactly. We've both talked together about this endlessly. This is something we enjoy talking about. We both definitely enjoy helping. We love learning ourselves. That's all this is about. You can learn something new every damn day. I learned something today. What's that? I need to stay out of Home Depot for a minute. <laughs> That's a good one. I'll show you. The, I'll show you tomorrow. But oh my goodness, did I spend some money? You got that Home Depot beat thumping in your brain. So yeah, so you can reach us definitely via email or Instagram. Instagram is at Maintenance Maniacs Podcast. Email is maintenancemaniacspodcast at gmail.com. You can find my personal Instagram page at ABBLDG operator. So it's Alberta Building Operator is what the, the short form of that is. So ABBLDG operator. And Chris, what's your personal handle? It's C Wilcox, W I L C O X, maintenance professional. Okay, so those are our two personal pages as long as well as the uh, Maintenance Maniacs podcast Instagram page. That's where you'll find most of our posts regarding tools, regarding projects we're working on, what kind of experiences we're encountering. And you can reach us on any of those avenues if you got some feedback, some questions, whatever it is. So, hey, Chris, I got a question for you before we go. All right, let's have it. Let's hear it. What's the difference between an alligator and a crocodile? One we'll see you later. The other will see you in a while.